You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 59, Survival Tips for the Young Minister. Today's conversation isn't just for the young minister. Anyone can benefit from the experiences and insights shared by today's guest. The reality is our parishes are supposed to be intergenerational. They're supposed to act like a family and include people from different ages and stages of life. Many times, as a parishioner or a minister, we can get caught up in one way of thinking about ministry and forget that every generation feels connected to the community in different ways. And it's no secret that younger generations are more disconnected from the parish than ever before. Today, we talked to Lauren, a young DRE at a thriving parish outside of Philadelphia. She shares three survival tips to help new and young ministers overcome challenges and become the best instruments they can possibly be in the hands of the Lord. Stay tuned to learn how to minister across all generations. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Marisa. Alan is not here today. He's a slacker. Um, no, he's not a slacker. He has been working extremely hard all week. Um, we had a really special week at Ascension. We had our annual Ascension Summit where we um, got together, the whole company, um, people flew in from all over, and <clears throat> we spent some time just focusing on our mission and the Lord's call in our lives. Um, and we were also blessed to be able to listen to some incredible um, talks by some of our presenters. So everybody's pretty worn out. It was a busy week and Alan had um, planned to take the afternoon off, but I had the opportunity that came up to interview um, Lauren Joyce, who is with me here today. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you, Marisa. This is a dream come true. So I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> We're in the business of making dreams come true. So. <laughs> So Lauren Joyce is actually um, a DRE at nearby parish, um, but she has a really interesting perspective because she became a DRE at the ripe old age of 24, and she is uh, doing just incredible things. We know her um, through some some mutual friendships here at Ascension, but then also um, she runs a handful of different Bible studies Our and programs. Our goal is to run every Ascension product <laughs> at least once at our parish. That's our goal. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite? Oh, wow. I mean, come on. That's like a favorite child. But um, <laughs> I've, I mean, we just ran our Ramus okay. um, to great, you know, great success at our parish. The Lord was so present and people responded and grew in prayer so much. That's my current favorite since we just ran it like that's, for Lent. <laughs> that's awesome. Father Mark Toops is incredible. Um, and yeah, I actually, my husband and I did that together. Um, when I started Ascension, we kind of got a, a freebie. And so that was the one we selected and found it to be really fruitful. So um, that's awesome. And you are, um, how many different Bible studies are you currently you currently have going? I don't even know because my dream is coming true that some of my parishioners are starting to run them without me. And that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to give um, credit where credit is due. We have a deacon who is actually in charge of adult faith formation. Um, so we, I mean, he's in charge, but I'm definitely kind of pumping people in on the side. Um, you know, I, I do believe that Bible studies can be a great way for people to grow in their faith and um, get to know the Lord, get to know other people. So I'm constantly telling anyone who will listen to start or join a Bible study. So <laughs> it's kind of a fluid number. Um, but we've probably had somewhere between seven, seven and eight this year. Awesome. 
I I don't know. People meet in their homes and they don't even tell us, so we don't even hey, know. That's I was that's like that's a dream come true. Actually, we were talking to Michael Gormley from Lay Evangelist, and he said. Um, we don't need to build any more buildings. Everybody has enough room in their living rooms. Like exactly. if every parishioner were to have a Bible study or some sort of community group just in their living room, how much space is that? Exactly. Um, so that's awesome. So we are going to be talking today about survival tips for the young minister. As I mentioned, Lauren started her ministry at a very young age. Um, and so she kind of had a whole host of, of certain challenges, but then also recognize that there were there were a lot of gifts um, in in the fact that she was young and um, entering into this ministry. So she's going to talk a little bit today about how um, how those who are young and going into ministry can set themselves up for success and to be the best instruments they p- can possibly be um, in the hands of the Lord. But then. Um, we're also going to record a second part to this interview where she shares some tips for those who are in um, maybe on parish staff supporting younger people in ministry. So this podcast is not just for people who are young. I think there's going to be a lot here that anybody can take from um, because our our parishes are, are not supposed to be one uh, generational. They're not supposed to be one age. Um, and, and we are family and families. We have people of different ages and different stages and, um, and that's a gift. So thank you so much, Lauren, for being here to talk to us about this. Absolutely. My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you have, um, I'm going to kind of let you start this off. Why did you want to talk about this? Sure. So I became a parish minister at 24, and that was not my plan. My plan was to teach. And I think, um, let me just put a little plug for anyone else out there who hadn't thought of parish ministry as an option. That's where most of the people are. I think if you're in Catholic school world, which I love, adore, I went to Catholic school for grade school and high school and college and graduate school. So I'm like (laughs) big time Catholic school fan. Um, But the statistics are, I was doing a little CARA research, which is like the Catholic statistics guru. um, And now two thirds of our kids are in religious ed. So that's prepper CCD, and one-third of our kids are in Catholic school. So Mm -hmm. two-thirds of our kids are in a public school setting, which means the parish is their faith formation experience. But then everyone over, like, age 14 is at the parish, you know, like kind of after school or CCD cuts out, it's all at the parish. So if you're a young person looking for ministry opportunities, don't forget that parish life exists. It might not currently be as vibrant as you envisioned your first job to be, but maybe that's your opportunity. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's where the Lord is calling you. Um, So, yeah, so kind of my first experience in ministry was just delight at how well this fit and how much it had never been something I had planned or thought I was going to be a teacher all of the way. And the Lord placed this in my life. And especially my whole first year in ministry, I remember saying things like I had wanted to get into apologetics. And the Lord was like, look, you're in charge of RCIA. Isn't that apologetics? Or I had said, you know, I want to work with families, but I'm probably too young. I'll go teach for a while and then I'll work with families. And the Lord's like, look, you're doing CCD ministry, which is all about families. Mm. Um, So it may be that you're talents and gifts are really well placed at the parish. And as a young person, you might have extra time and energy that other people wouldn't have who are in maybe the seasons of child raising or, you know, other seasons of family life. So dear young people, don't discount parish ministry. Um, 
But that being said, being a young minister, it's impossible not to notice that I'm usually the youngest person in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, So while that's fun sometimes because I just make blanket statements about all millennials, (laughs) I'm representative (laughs) of them. Um, And everybody's probably like, oh, yeah, wow. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I try to represent us well. I try to do a good job. Um, But, you know, it's it's impossible not to notice that, like, where are my peeps? You know, where are they at? Um, So I've become more and more interested in trying to kind of invite more young people into ministry. I keep saying my dream is that all of um, the focus missionaries looking for a real job enter parish ministry. And can you imagine the springtime that would be um, for the church? So that's kind of, I kind of stumbled into parish ministry, but being there have found great joy, have found great fruitfulness and see so much opportunity for other young people to get in the fray. Like we need you, we need your energy and your ability to use Twitter and you know, the parish (laughs) needs you. That that's such a good um, just like initial calling out, (laughs) calling on um, because I, you know, I have had the experience of. um, Yeah, they're just uh, perspectives that young people bring just just in the same way. Actually, I'll just put a little plug side note. Um, We were listening to one of our speakers um, this past week at the summit, and he was um, talking about how. Um, he is desperate for older parishioners to join, to become youth group leaders um, and small group leaders. And his point was just oh, that we need, we need people across generations in the same room together. Mm-hmm. It's healthy. It's good. It's how family used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we've kind of, at least I think in American society, really really kind of lost. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and I'm not advocating for parishes to be run exclusively by millennials. I think that would be a disaster. <laughs> um, but there would be really good coffee. <laughs> yeah, but we'd be bankrupt so fast. It like, wouldn't even be a joke. <laughs> um, I'm arguing for the diversity in the body of Christ that yeah. each group has these different gifts and perspectives to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. So you have um, some tips here. I do. Um, Multiple. For that young young person <laughs> discerning their first job in ministry. Um, and like I said, if you're if you're not in that position, you're not discerning your first job in ministry, I still think that you're going to find this to be a really interesting discussion um, because I think you'll have a different perspective on what those young people might be looking for and um, how to best attract them to your parish if, if you're interested in having some younger people step into roles in ministry at your parish. So... Lauren, what is number one? Yes. So, and this is all in the context that burnout is real. And it's, I think, the primary danger for young ministers. Um, For example, my parish is thinking about maybe hiring a youth minister. And I said, first of all, that's amazing. But second of all, hire very carefully because the only thing worse than a then no youth minister is one that burns out and mm. leaves you. And I've seen that happen um, in youth ministry and DRE ministry. Um, so kind of all of this is in the all of this is in the context of um, aggressively setting yourself up to avoid burnout, mm. um, because I, I really think that that is probably one of the biggest roadblocks that a parish might hire a young person. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. They're going to be less likely to hire from that demographic again because mm-hmm. they just wasted all of those resources and the time and, you know, the emotions. They probably liked that person and they right. run off. So um, so first of all, just generally be very selective and prayerful about your first ministry position. It's so easy to kind of get out of school and be desperate because you want a job and you want to know where your life is going. Um, And 
you know, your first ministry placement is going to be so important in how your career develops, in your happiness, in all sorts of things. And so my rule of thumb is only look at positions where you could see yourself thriving for at least two years. Ideally, it would be three to five. If all goes well, you're going to be in this position for three, five, seven, ten, who knows, but at least two. If you can't see yourself here at this position for two years, that's a red flag and begin to ask why. Um, So some of the other things to look for to unpack that a little bit would be when you're considering joining a parish staff, I really recommend that you try to attend mass kind of incognito. So just slip into the back of mass, uh, maybe two or three if, you know, we all know that any one mass can kind of be an outlier. So try to get to a couple um, and just slip in the back and ask the people, you know, do you enjoy being here? I'm thinking about joining this parish. What do you like here? Mm. You know, what's happening? What, you know, what do you love about this community? What's been going on this year? Um, You know, obviously don't lie to anyone, but I think you can honestly say, I'm thinking about joining this community. You know, what do you love about being members here? Mm. Um, Another way to do your research is to check the bulletin archives. They're usually online. And I would check especially like the beginning of the school year around Christmas and Lent, because that's usually if there are Bible studies, if there are events, that's when things are kind of kicking off and getting advertised. And you want to hear both what's happening at this parish. Is there a young adults group? Is there a youth group? Are they doing service projects? But then also the tone, like, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I kind of joke that I think people under 30 literally can't read anything in Times New Roman. We just like can't do it. Um, or papyrus. You know, exactly. Or allergic. Which doesn't mean don't don't go somewhere where they use Times New Roman. But, you know, um, that was kind of a side joke. What I mean by tone is mostly be are they warm, welcoming, encouraging? Are there ads in the bulletin that are very warm for RCIA saying things like, hey, are you curious about becoming Catholic? Our RCIA is starting soon, right? Um, so whether or not they're in Times New Roman. Um, is there a sense that this parish is a warm, welcoming community that's, you know, trying to be a, a real part of the body of Christ? Now, kind of just to, so say somebody is like, well, I, you know, I, I would almost be looking for a parish that didn't have that because I would be looking to see where I could make the most impact. What would you say to that person? I would just say be um, very cautious about getting in over your head because mm-hmm. there's only so much one person can do. Yeah. Um, so like, for example, at my parish, I love my parish. My pastor's super supportive of me. Um my coworkers are very supportive, but everything in the religious education office before me was a paper-based mailing home in Times New Roman, right? Mm-hmm. So I could, I'm using that kind of as a symbol of different <laughs> things, right? But I was able to come in and change how we communicated, move to email, move towards e-newsletters e- or whatever, because the pastor and the staff were very supportive. Mm-hmm. So if there's kind of one isolated thing where you're honing in on, you say, hey, I'm really great at blogging. I could redo the parish website. Well, as long as the rest of the parish staff is super supportive, that's great. But if the parish website is a hot mess because the staff is a hot mess Mm -hmm. and everyone's cranky, then that's probably not going to be something you can sustainably do long term. I think that's I think that's so wise because I do think there's that eagerness of coming out of maybe college or even just a grad program and just being ready to just take everything on. But um, you do need to set yourself up to succeed. You can't. yeah, it's it's not smart to try and um, I don't know lift up a, a totally sinking ship, and I, and I say sinking ship, you know, with 
everything that I say needs to be taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> We've said this already. <laughs> but um, if you're there to maybe plug holes mm-hmm. and you're really good at that, that's yeah. great. But if if like the sinking has already happened in a significant way, it's really hard to lift the ship back up out of the water. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really good piece of wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, I think... Um, This is a very broad generalization, so don't be insulted if it doesn't apply to you. But typically, um, people under 30 are pretty good communicators, digital communicators, that sort of thing. So if you see a real hole that you can plug, um, that's one thing. But again, if it's like that's one thing and there are 45 other things and, um, you know, so... I would say as you're at mass, as you're reading the bulletin, you're looking for that sense of a sinking ship. Like, is there a sense that the whole parish is desperate for money, for volunteers? Does everything feel like it's being held together by the skin of their teeth? Um, You know, not to be morbid, but like you, you don't want to be part of that. I just don't think as a young person, I don't, I wouldn't recommend a young person go into that because you're going to have your own fish to fry with learning how to Mm -hmm. be a professional and do all sorts of different things in a good setting Right. to throw in all of the complications of a parish that's really failing in some major way. I just think it'll lead to burnout and then you're not helping them if you haven't been sustainable in the long run. Right. That's, that is so good. Awesome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. All right. So that's that's kind of like the tone. And in addition to that feeling of like growing community versus sinking ship, I would also listen for a difference between this is the way things have always been done. We love our status quo versus we are listening to where the Holy Spirit is moving us because the Holy Spirit never, ever tells institutions to stand still and don't move ever. Like mm-hmm. that's never what the Holy Spirit is saying. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that's not a thing. Um, there might be a lot that's really great in the traditions of this community, but there always has to be that growth edge where Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is leading someone to do something. And in my experience, young ministers are very interested in those sorts of projects and initiatives. And if there's that sort of environment at the parish, then you're going to fit naturally into a team, you know, like Dream World. There's a team that meets once a month and is like praying for the Holy Spirit's guidance of, you know, the pastoral council or the parish staff, or that would be amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then your talents and gifts will flow very naturally into that as people are constantly surveying, you know, like, what are our skills? Where is the spirit leading us? What projects are we trying to start? Right. Um, I would say that if you get a sense of that community, that's a beautiful thing. That's so good. Because I I do think that that's that's something that I hear a lot of frustration of people in ministry is just that there's the way things have always been done. And that's, that works and it's comfortable Mm -hmm. We have our our folders of, you know, (laughs) of the papers that we've used in years past and that's it. Um, So I think that attentiveness to is the Holy, is the Holy Spirit seem like it's active and present and welcome in this this community. Especially like receptive and yeah, moving, setting things on fire. (laughs) Um, Okay. So again, picking your first assignment. I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but it literally is the make or break thing. So in addition to going to mass, reading the bulletins, when you're doing your interviews, you want to have a one-on-one chat with preferably the pastor or else whoever you're reporting to. Mm -hmm. If you go to a mega parish that has a million people on staff, it might be a deacon or something. Um, But you want to get a sense of this person's vision for the parish and ask questions like, um, Father, what are some of the 
the best things that have happened in the last year or two? What are some of the, the challenges that you guys have, have um, you know, overcome as a parish? What are some of the upcoming challenges you're facing now that you'd want me to help you with? Mm. What is your vision for this community? What do you see being the major struggles, the major um, opportunities? And you're listening not necessarily for individual answers, although those could be an indication that you're very much called there, right? We're discerning, right? So we ask questions and we listen to what comes back. And if the priest says, you know, I'm really trying to reach out to the Hispanic community and you're bilingual, bingo, you know, that might be a beautiful piece of discernment info. Um, But if the pastor kind of looks at you blankly and has no idea what you're talking about, I would say, you know, be cautious Mm -hmm. signing on to um, a community where the leader of that community isn't thinking in terms of movement and growth, Mm -hmm. but is just thinking in terms of survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And God bless, God bless the people who are keeping our parishes open because I get it. It is crazy out there. Like, uh, you know, many parishes, the best donors are the elderly and they're dying off. And God bless millennials. We do not naturally donate consistently to parishes. and, And so I get it. But um, if we're looking at a position where a young person can sustainably contribute in the long run, I think these are things we need to be looking at. That's, um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not going to even come up in response <laughs> other than to say that's awesome. Okay, <laughs> next point. <laughs> All right, what do we got? Um, just, this is a very kind of specific question, but if you're going to be in charge of a major thing like religious education or youth ministry, it's good to ask, um, do I have an assistant or is there a head volunteer I should meet with or um, how am I going to know what to do? So when I came into my position, I said, I'm happy to help, but I have no experience with religious education. How am I going to know what to do? And they said, don't worry, you're going to have the entire computer archive of the outgoing DRE and you have an assistant. And that really enabled me to say, OK, like this is manageable. I'm not going to have to invent right. things out of thin air. So especially if you're coming into one of those positions where you do have to keep a lot of balls in the air, um, you know, as opposed to youth ministry, I think sometimes with youth ministry, you can just use the program you want to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not as important what they did last year. Um, you know, if you're in a liturgical ministry or pastoral ministry where the historical information is really important, ask if you'll be given access to it. And I'll give you a sense for what sort of internal support is there. Yeah. Um, could you speak a little bit about the salary kind of yes. negotiations? Thank because you for asking that. I know there are you know, nobody. Nobody goes into ministry because they think it's going to make them a millionaire. Um, but at the same time, there's the need to have a just, just wage. living living wage. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and especially if you know, at some point in those years of ministry, you're going to have a family. Um, you know, for example, if you're a woman, to find out is is there any kind of opportunity for maternity leave or, you know, those kinds of things that you might not think about initially. Um, have you, can you give any advice about that? I'd love to talk about that. Um, because we're talking about how can you be sustainable and you cannot be sustainable if you don't have healthcare. If you're 23, you might still be on your parents' healthcare, but there will be a day where you are not 23 anymore and you need healthcare benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, so personally, when I know that there are friends who are looking for jobs, I don't even pass them part-time job openings. If you have a degree in ministry, don't do that to yourself. You know, you need a full-time job with benefits. Um, And I would sit down with someone you trust either as a financial mentor or maybe ideally as a mentor in ministry and talk about what is really possible. Um, Like I know for myself, when I first took my job, I had a free car, but I was not always going to have a free car. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, know what you 
know what you're worth. Like you have a degree in this. If you have student loans that you've taken on for ministry, you need to, you know, be realistic about what sort of salary you need to pay those off, especially if you hope to get married. Like loans are a big obstacle to us entering our vocations. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is an area where you can really be creative and kind of look for the Holy Spirit. So, for example, if you are talking to a pastor and you say, Father, I need more salary, maybe, especially if you're a young man, I've heard of some young men like living in the rectory and Mm -hmm. being a youth minister or something. So the priest says, I can't give you any more money, but what if you had free room and board? Yeah. That's awesome. You know? Right. Um, I mean, think carefully about your personality and the downside to that is you never get away from work. But um, but you always have a confessor nearby. It's true. It's true. You can, you know, get last rites if you need them. Or, I don't know. Um, so I would say, you know, be realistic and please, for heaven's sake, if you have a degree, don't take part-time jobs. Um, here's an example. So uh, someone that I know as a colleague accepted a full-time youth ministry position split between multiple parishes. So multiple parishes got together and they said, hey, we'll we'll make one full-time position together. It'll be full-time with benefits. And they were so close geographically that it, it made sense, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, their jo- their the youth minister's job was to throw one youth night a week, but at these rotating set of parishes. Got it. So on paper, it makes sense. I totally understand how these pastors probably got together to solve this and it looks great. But some of the logistical support wasn't there for him. For example, all of the staff meetings for each of those two and three parishes were at the same time, like Wednesdays at four. And when he voiced to them, like, I'm on your staff. I need to be at your staff meeting. Can you move the meeting? They all said, no, this is our staff meeting time. So even though, you know, that's an example of a position that's technically full time, but had sort of been stretched Mm -hmm. past what it probably should have been. Right. And he burned out and it didn't work out. And then they were left with no minister. And right. so, you know, if if you're a young person listening to this, please, please require a just salary, require benefits. I'm not saying a ton of like crazy money. You're not going to make the same money as your engineering friends, but you do need to be able to pay your bills. And if you're someone who's a pastor or some other person on staff listening to this, you know, be sensitive to the fact that we have taken advantage of a lot of youth ministers for a long time. Like part of the reason that there's no money for youth ministry is because for so long people did it for free. Or in religious education, the religious sisters did it for free for so long. And if you don't have any religious sisters around anymore, then you have to pay a real person and that real person has real expenses and et cetera, et cetera. And that ties into just um, you mentioned earlier a lot of a lot of the major donors to parishes are um, sixty plus. I actually just was working on a presentation, taking a look at that trend, um, and the trend, you know, the kind of concurrent trend that we need more lay ministers, full time ministers. Um, and so, you know, one thing, a very real thing, if you're listening, and it's um, maybe this particular conversation isn't one hundred percent applicable to you, um, at first glance, maybe it is in the sense that your parish needs to take a serious look at, at, are you cultivating a tithing culture? Are you cultivating a culture where people see that it's, that it is, um, part of their call and it's part of, of, um, who they are in the parish to be stewards of their money? Mm -hmm. Um, and be willing to be generous with the parish. So I think that's like a really practical takeaway for somebody who's maybe not looking for a job in ministry, but who might be in a position on 
stuff where they need to be able to hire and they need the money to do that. (laughs) Or even if you're really convicted that your parish needs a youth minister, approach the pastor and say, Father, I'm willing to give you five grand a year for the next four years, you know, as seed money. You know, I just say be bold. If you see the need, be bold. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's another thing that a lot of people don't think, oh, I could just put the money into the collection. But I think you can do that specific thing and go to your priest and say, hey, my husband and I want to tithe, but, or, you know, I want to tithe or, you know, whatever the situation is, but to this specific need. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. And the only thing I want to add is, if you're going to ignore me and take a part-time position, at least do 20 hours or more so that it's a part-time with benefits position because yeah. you could work extra hours at Starbucks or something if your health care is covered. Right. Um, but if you accept something like that, record your hours meticulously and do not work free overtime. Don't mm. do that to yourself mm-hmm. um, because I think sometimes this is just an honesty thing that we need with our parishes to say, you see this youth night and it looks to you like it's three hours long, but there's so much that goes on behind the scenes to make that happen. I have people ask me all of the time if I'm full-time or not. And I'm like, you don't know, you know, yeah. full-time and some. <laughs> right? like you don't even know. And, and, you know, they kind of look quizzical, like, well, what do you do all week? And I'm like, we have 240 students in religious education. Do you know how much paper? work that is like yeah that's not interesting or fun to say but it's real yeah absolutely and um yeah so I think sometimes as a parish we need to be more honest with who's doing this work for free and if we want someone who's really trained to be doing them we need to pay them commensurately yeah so good um your second tip is yes so my second tip is um to stay focused on your personal growth in your new role um because again burnout is real right so as a young professional as a 23 or 24 year old even if you are working some other job in a less spiritually demanding and kind of crazy environment, you would have so many things happening. Your professional development, your personal development, just that transition from school to work is huge. Um, so especially as ministers, we have you know, sort of what everyone else is facing and then all of the spiritual components that come with ministry and just there's so much going on there. Um, So I I broke this down to four categories in terms of personal growth. So first is our spiritual growth. And of course, as ministers, we need to be rooted in Christ. If we're not rooted in Christ, we're just stressed out and wasting our time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, being devoted to your daily prayer. And if I think Father Josh Johnson is the one who said this, right? Like, if you don't pray every day, what are you bringing to the table? You know, what are you bringing to your to your parishioners? You're bringing yourself, which is nice, but they don't really need you. They need Christ. Yeah. So, you know. Get yourself together and, and pray in the morning. Um, I love that guy. <laughs> right? That was the episode make, um, I think it was called How to Make Jesus Your Priority. It was early, early this year. So go back and take a listen. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was very convicting for me because I'd gotten lazy with my daily prayer. And I was like, Father Johnson says I have to pray, you know. <laughs> good. Um, and again, if you're transitioning out of school, it may be that you've just lost your spiritual director or you've lost your adoration habits or you lost kind of whatever was feeding your spiritual life in school. So just be very attentive to trying to plug some of those gaps going forward. Maybe your spiritual director for a year will be willing to work with you over the phone. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's feeding you spiritually in school, write that down and then see how much of it you can replicate or replace in your new role. Um, and then... This is so important, and I'm going to put it under spiritual growth. Take your personal time. Get off your mm. parish and leave. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, one of my friends pointed this out, which I'm so grateful. She said, when we're afraid to take our vacation time and our personal time, it's a lack of trust. Mm that we don't trust God to do the work. We don't trust him to actually be the one who's making all this happen at the parish. And so if you, for no other reason, will take your vacation time, take it as an act of trust that like, Lord, I trust that you will prosper and grow all the things that I'm doing here. Yeah, that is so good. And <laughs> I mean, how hard is that? It's not easy. I remember, um, you know, I still, I still kind of have that sense, Mm -hmm. you know, even working here, but um, even though we have such a good culture that is recognizes the need um, and the healthy habit it is to take that personal time off. But I, um, when I was a teacher, uh, if I ever had to be off and submit substitute plans, I was a wreck. Mm -hmm. I was a wreck because I just was like, petrified that no, that things weren't going to work out. Mm-hmm. And somebody pointed that out to me. They said, wow, you really think really highly of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a really good, um, yeah, just a little bit of a good blow to my ego um, to realize that, gosh, yeah, I think really highly of myself and really low of the Lord's ability to work yeah. without me. <laughs> and also uh, um, trust in your team. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, um, you know, it's really important to be able to trust your team. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you are working as an island, then that's a sign that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. If you feel like, oh, I couldn't possibly pass this off to anybody, then that's a red flag that you haven't been collaborating. Mm-hmm. You haven't been communicating. Um, yeah. You've been closed off in your office or, you know, going to these events alone. And um, I think that that's also something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. And, and contributes to burnout because when you can't delegate, um, then, of course, you really do have to do it all. And and I just throw a word out there to the experienced ministers. I've done the thing where you train the perfect person and they're amazing and then they move to Kentucky. <laughs> You know, you're dead to me, you know? So I know it's hard. I know it's hard, especially with young adults. One of the real aspects of our life is many of us are moving for jobs. We're moving for our vocation. Um, We are quite transitory. So, you know, just take a deep breath and, you know, train someone new. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think another thing is also um, from the beginning, try to create the systems that will make it easy exactly. um, to share information and yeah. share systems and like protocol documents, write things down, have them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then you're not like writing it all out the night before you leave. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, beautiful. So that's spiritual growth. And um, just the last thing there is I have doorway prayers. So I have like ADD and I'm always running a hundred different directions at a time. And one thing I found really helpful is to have doorway prayers. So Mm -hmm. when I leave my house in the morning, there's like an icon of the Lord and I say my morning offering, like as I'm going out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a prayer that I do on the doorway into my office, just like a little prayer, like, Lord, this is your work, not mine. Help me not to mess it up, you know, or something like that, something holier. And then a, a prayer out at the end of the day, like, Lord, like, please bless the seeds I've planted today. Again, this is your parish, not mine. Just prosper and grow the work here. And I think that helps build that trust that, again, you know, like we kind of hand everything back to the Lord. St. Edith Stein has that great quote where she says, at the end of the day, bring all of the fractured pieces of all the things you tried to do and just lay it at the feet of Jesus and go to sleep in peace. That's a, that's a paraphrase, but it's it's beautiful. <laughs> that's such a, such a comforting thought. 
<laughs> All right. So spiritual growth. Um, the next one is human growth, which I'm going to call hashtag adulting. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, just to, to be patient with yourself and realize that in any job, even if you had kind of a very normal, structured nine to five, you would be struggling with all of the normal things um, like time management, cooking for yourself, getting to sleep on time. Um, so just you know, be patient with yourself and set up what you need to succeed. Maybe you need a mentor to be checking your accountability on these things or whatever. But, you know, know that this this year of transition is on a human level so key. And, you know, you're not going to be a good minister if you're not sleeping and you're not eating. Um, <laughs> one of my friends was so good. My first year, I was the first year I'd had to cook for myself. And so I just sometimes wouldn't eat dinner. And I'd, you know, like see them late at night and I'd be kind of like crying and hangry. And mm-hmm. be like, my work is failing and my life is over. And she's like, here, eat a granola bar. You know, the <laughs> Snickers commercial. And I'd be like, no, that's not it. And she's like, eat this granola bar. <laughs> and sure enough, like 10 minutes. So I'd be like, oh, you know what? I think we're going to survive. She's yeah. like, yeah, I think you need to eat dinner. <laughs> yeah, eat dinner and go to sleep. <laughs> we um, had a, a podcast, I guess, a few a few weeks ago uh, with Stacey Nome from Notre Dame where she talks a lot about that. So, so um, if you're interested in a little bit more about that, check out our second interview with Stacey Nome. Yeah. Um, so just some great tips about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's awesome. Um, for relationships and emotional growth, you know, just to be aware that you need to be maintaining an identity different from your parish or your school or your whatever. Um, I was talking this through with my sister, and she said, if you find that the only thing you can talk about in conversation is your work, you're doing it wrong. Mm. So I think that's a good litmus test that, like, with your friends, with your college acquaintances, when you update them, do you have anything to say that's not connected to your parish? Mm. Um, and if not, get a hobby. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hang out with you. Basket weaving. Something. <laughs> when all you can talk about is work. Um, and on the adulting, um, the adulting comment as well, the importance of boundaries. I think this is so challenging for young ministers. So again, seek a mentor, a spiritual director or something. But simple things like... Um, Social media profiles. Mm-hmm. Are your parishioners going to try to friend you on social media profiles? What if you have friends who are parishioners before you knew them or parishioners who become friends or like all of these things? Um, I recommend that you have a professional social media profile. So if you love using Instagram to pump up parish events or whatever, make it, you know, blah, blah, youth ministry Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have, I really recommend, especially for your first year, don't friend anyone in your parish. Yeah. Um, and you might say, oh, I want to be in relational ministry. Okay, but think this through. They're one of your volunteers in such and such ministry, and then they're posting about choices they're making on a Friday night that aren't with church teaching. And now you might have to, like, fire them from ministry. Right. And, you know, just save yourself all of that aggravation. Yeah. And I think it helps... Um, it helps create mental boundaries for us too, right? Who am I apart from this parish community? You know, I think social media is a big way we can help ourselves or really shoot ourselves in the foot one way or the other. That is so, um, I think so wise because like you said, you have enough things that you're trying to figure out your first year. Save yourself the trouble. Oh my gosh, yes. And then the final human growth one is something near and dear to my heart. So I'm a huge extrovert. I'm like the extrovert of all extroverts. <laughs> um, and so when I envisioned going into ministry, I envisioned hanging out with people all day. And mm-hmm. when you get into parish ministry, often you're only with your population for four or five hours a week, mm. which is 
crazy. So if you're going into youth ministry or religious education, especially, make sure you do the mental math that you're not going to be hanging out with teenagers all day long. If you really feel called to do that, you need to go teach. Mm -hmm. Um, Parish ministry is a different animal. There's so many opportunities there because you can be taking kids to Steubenville and you can be working with whole families and it has its whole own set of opportunities but you're not going to be just hanging out with your people all day. Um, And so I think that loneliness, this actually was so helpful to me that I was talking with a mentor who's been in religious education forever, like forever. And she commented to me like, Lauren, it's actually impressive that you've survived for five years. Like most people don't. Um, It's a very lonely position for a young person. Mm -hmm. And that really stood out to me because I was like, oh, I'm not imagining this. (laughs) This is real. (laughs) The struggle is real. Um, But what can we be doing to mitigate that? I don't think it has to be this way. Mm. And I think it's one of those things that perpetuates itself because there are a few young people. Young people feel lonely, so they leave. And then there are a few young people. Right. Um, So I would say, um, you know, cultivate community both in your personal life and your professional life. So be the one who's keeping in touch with your college friends and your family. Be very careful before you accept a position that requires you to move far away, especially to a rural parish far away. I'd mm. say that's a very big challenge. Um, so be you know cultivating those personal friendships. Make sure you have time to go on social things, right? The theology on taps that are not at your parish. Right. Be getting out there and making friends who are not kind of like your ministry people. Um, And then professional colleagues, I would say this is where the new media really shines because through podcasts like Ascension um, (laughs) and through all these other things, you can be keeping up digitally with people who are fighting some of the same battles with you. Yeah. And I know people have mentioned like Facebook groups being really helpful. Mm, Absolutely. um, As well. I know that I've definitely benefited from some Facebook groups um, the Sherry Whittles Forming Intentional Disciples yes, the, amazing. The forum yeah so many good ideas and um, Catholic creatives and there's just so many um, kind of popping up that it seems like that's a place that a lot of people are going to share ideas but then also to solicit ideas. Yeah. And the one hack I have for getting people in real life into your office is realizing you can invite them there. <laughs> it took me like two or three years to figure out. But you can call up a mentor in your role a couple parishes over and ask to get coffee at two in the afternoon because mm. neither of you probably are doing anything at two in the afternoon other than paperwork. Right. Um, so you can um, invite mentors out to chat. You can invite, um, let's say you have a catechist team, you can invite some of them out to talk with them one-on-one. So you can actually be cultivating some of the community you're looking for, obviously in a healthy way. You don't want to become like codependent on these people, but to a healthy degree, like you have ministry gifts to share. Some of your catechists would probably love a one-on-one chance to chat through whatever's really going on Mm -hmm. in their spiritual life. And P.S., that's what your degree is for. (laughs) So um, don't be afraid to add little things into your day like that, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, one or two coffee dates a week where you're cultivating more of that personal interaction that might normally be there without that intentionality. That's awesome. Okay. So pay attention to your human growth. Mm -hmm. um, And you have kind of two more things. Yeah, it's one slash two. So um, the last ones are your professional growth slash continuing education. So they blend in and out of each other. And I would say whatever field you're going into, religious education, youth ministry, you need to know your church documents. So there really are church documents that tell you what to do and you need to be refreshing them. One of my priest friends says he reads the intro to the Roman Missal every year. And that just blew me away. Wow. Um, So, you know, if you're in charge of confirmation prep, make sure you're reading the confirmation documents, that sort of thing. Um, 
and this is so important. I probably should have led with this. Find professional groups that do what you do. Mm. So uh, we're so blessed in Philly. Our DRE, I call them like the, the think tank or the group think or something. They know everything. If you need to know whether or not a five-year-old Lutheran child with one Catholic parent and one agnostic <laughs> parent needs RCIA or confirmation, they know. <laughs> That's um, amazing. <laughs> things that you don't think about unless you are a DRE. <laughs> right? It's Oh, my gosh. Especially DRE ministry or... Um, you know, some of the other liturgical ministries, these guidelines of the church matter and they're very obscure. And once you get into annulments and marriage law and baptisms, you need people who actually know what they're talking about. So make sure that you are joining professional organizations. If your diocese doesn't have one, find a diocese that does ask to be digitally part of them if you can or something. Um, And then my last one, this is my shout out to Ascension. Enjoy that part of your role is that you can continue your faith formation and ongoing faith education. So I did not happen to take a lot of scripture classes during my um, degrees, for example. And so when we started running Bible studies at at our parish, I was so excited to get to fill in all of my little <laughs> gaps about the Old Testament. And um, so enjoy that part of what you can be doing professionally for free, you know, free to you. Um, other people have to pay to do on mm-hmm. their spare time. So I would say really max out if you want to read a particular encyclical or you want to read, you know, a, our church treasury is so rich. There's encyclicals and scripture and all these things. Yeah. So whatever you want to do, see if anyone else will do it with you. And then you can call it a Bible study and then you can do it during work time. <laughs> no, but that's so good because you are, like Father Josh said, you need to be receiving mm-hmm. in order to give. And so um, drawing from that, that font of the church is so good. It's such a good reminder. Yeah. And then the last thing would be to try to keep up with some of your friends who are not in ministry um, because especially when it comes to tech or professional standards or this or that, ministry world can be up to 20 or 30 or 50 years <laughs> behind everyone else. So, um, you know, when I came in, I knew, you know, how to use Microsoft Office and all these things. But now five years later, I'm noticing that my friends in kind of like, quote, real world, they know how to use Slack and all these other things. And I'm like, what's a Slack? And I hear myself <laughs> sounding kind of really out of touch. So try to keep up professionally with some friends who are not in your industry so that if you have to cross back over into other professions later, you're not like hopelessly out of touch. Yeah. And and so you're also kind of like you're operating the people who work in your parish, um, if their standard of communication at work is something like a messaging app like Slack or if they use Google Docs. I or promise it's not Google Slack. Drive. I promise that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's like phones. It's like you're on speaker. <laughs> We use Slack here at the office, and um, some people like it more than others. My team happens to love it, but we also happen to share lots of like Catholic memes and stuff throughout the day. Oh my gosh! See, this is this is going to come up later, but my theory is that memes are twenty percent of the new evangelization. <laughs> totally believe this. I mean, they're pretty funny and, they, and, and effective. Always, always. That's how you know what feast day it is? The memes people put in Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> So important. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to have our um, kind of third umbrella tip from Lauren. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. All right, we are back. 
back with tip number three for the young minister discerning their uh, discerning their initiation into the world of ministry um, and navigating those initial years or that initial year. So Sure. So my last tip is to play to your strengths. Um, this will be obviously individual to each person, but broadly speaking, as young ministers, we have a great perspective as an outsider. So when you're new to a parish staff, you by definition do not know what's always been done. Um, this is very controversial. <laughs> if you want to make trouble, go in and just start. You know, telling people we're not going to do what's always been done and people have an uproar. Um, But for very basic things, for example, I work with RCIA, so I'm always attentive to how would this event be advertised to an outsider? How would this event be seen by an outsider? And often in parishes, we're so used to, for example, where the meeting room is, where the bathrooms are, what ages are invited to certain events. If you can expect mass at a certain event, we don't always put all that information anywhere or certainly not in the main advertisement. So your perspective perspective as an outsider can be very helpful to your parish. Um, you're just going to see a lot of things. Now, warning here, don't be obnoxious and don't be <laughs> in your first staff meeting and tell them all what's wrong with the parish. That's not going to go well. Um, a priest I respect very highly said that he tries to change nothing at his new parishes for several years until he's seen what God is doing in this community. Mm. And I think that position of like reverence and humility is beautiful. And, you know, it just made me respect him as a priest so much more. He says, God has been working with these people before you got here. God will be working with these people long after you're gone. Mm. So kind of holding intention, your perspective as an outsider, but a true reverence for what's going on in this community and how can what you're seeing help that organic growth continue. Mm. Um, So that's one. And then the second one would be to just have confidence that you really are a big asset, especially when it comes to ministering to other young adults and when it comes to evangelization. So, again, individual mileage may vary, but many young adults grew up surrounded by non-Catholics or friends who asked all sorts of questions about Mm -hmm. the faith. Or just generally speaking, we don't expect everyone in the room to agree with us or to be automatically super Catholic. So often we have a lot of practice evangelizing, explaining the faith, offering apologetics in a loving and non-judgmental way. Um, an anecdote that really brought this home for me was um, one time we were in a women's Bible study and we were talking about uh, the church teaching on abortion. And we had a group of older ladies who are very pro-life and are at daily mass every day, but they were all kind of you know, young women before Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. And so no one they knew had ever had an abortion. Mm. So they're sitting there just saying, I don't know how anyone could ever do this, Mm -hmm. you know, on and on, which I understand their heart. I understand completely. But I knew that in the room were some younger women who were post-abortive. Oh, wow. Listening to this conversation. And so, you know, I was able to throw in some comments about, you know, like, well, obviously, like both the mother and the child are so beautiful, but sometimes women are lied to and they don't see the truth of their situation, right? Mm -hmm. So like never compromising on church teaching, but being more sensitive that you never know the stories of the people in the room and we shouldn't have this us, them language ever. And as a a young minister, I think sometimes that is an inborn trait that can really be an asset to your parish. I yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine sitting there and knowing that information as that conversation was unfolding. I'm sure that that was it's just like, come Holy Spirit, come Holy yeah, Spirit, come Holy wow. Spirit. Wow. <laughs> but that's, yeah, exactly what you said is, I mean, that's so beautiful. And so um seems like it's so just exactly what needed to be said. Um, but I do think you're right that we, 
I think part of our generation, you know, the stereotypes that people are easily offended and, you know, people across generations are easily offended these days. Um, it's not just younger people, but I think we did grow up in a climate where that was much more mm-hmm. <laughs> a reality. And so um, just like knowing how to nuance the phrasing of things mm-hmm. or um, even just like how image images, like mm-hmm. what what are the connotations associated with images and phrases and um, how can we just sidestep some of those yeah. Um, some of those barriers rather than. And, um, you know, and and leaning into your strengths, often young people are very gifted with communication, especially digitally and to other young people. So I would say just lean into, you know, what young people need better than anyone else on staff if they're all over 50, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you have a beat with your friends, you know, what's in the air, you know, what's going on. So, you know, you might not know how to reach out to people over 50. I'm always impressed when like we're trying to do a capital campaign and our priest made an announcement and like tens of thousands of dollars came in in donations like that week. And I was mm-hmm. like, are you talking? Like that would never happen with young people. You know, yeah. you need to do like five media campaigns <laughs> and, and a, then a pledge and drive. And Indiegogo. And, and, uh... you know, and so I'm always shocked when yeah. communication methods that work for 50 Up really work. And, you know, I'm yeah. reminded that, that many of my coworkers really do know what they're doing, especially with the parishioners they've known the longest. Right. But conversely, I really know what I'm doing when I'm talking with people 30 and under, when I'm talking with people 35, 40 and under. Mm-hmm. So just lean into that and be confident. Um, again, holding intention. Don't be obnoxious and then say, I told you to do it. <laughs> you know, have a real reverence for this community and then a real confidence that God has called you and placed you here to do good work. That's awesome. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> that's it. What? <laughs> no, that's so good. I'm so, um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to sharing this. I, um, I went to school at Ave Maria. There were a lot of people who went into ministry after graduating. Um, but I also know people from all different colleges all over. Um, and I'm going to definitely share this with them. <laughs> a lot of them working now with students mm-hmm. at this, at those schools. And so I just think there's so many, um, so much wisdom here and so much, it's so practical. It's so good to, to get such a practical, um, kind of get so many practical insights from you on this. So thank you so much. Totally my pleasure. (laughs) If you want to um, hear more from Lauren, you can tune in next week. She's going to be sharing with us um, tips for those who are already on parish staff or already in leadership positions at a parish um, or just parishioners themselves who are older and how they can support Um, those who are younger. So crossing those kind of generational lines and um, drawing from the richness of diversity in the the body of Christ. So please tune back in if you would like to get a hold of us. If you'd like to learn more about Lauren or have her come speak at your parish or university, you can find her online at www.laurenjoyce.net. That will be in our show notes for all of you um, who are listening. You can go to ascensionpress.com. Um, click media, click podcast. You'll find the latest podcast show notes. All right. Do you have any questions? Let us know. You can email us at ascensionroundtable at ascensionpress.com or give us any feedback. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And because Alan is not here, I will say until next time, peace. Peace.